Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. Uh, we have a special episode because it is our one year anniversary. Woo! Yay! Yay! Alright, well, where, uh... where did the time go? Uh, so anyway, my name is Angela Lewinsky, if you don't know. And this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Marshall Staggs. Hey everybody. And Zach Katie. Woo, I got my name right on the anniversary episode. Yay! Woo! Uh, Chris is time traveling and is a day ahead of us right now. So, hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Cool. All right. So, we're going to just briefly talk about our first impressions with the Hyena-class droid bomber and the Naboo Starfighter. You've probably... Ooh, I linked it twice in the show notes. Um, but it is the, we're just going to talk a little bit about it. Nothing special. We're not going to go into depth on each card because, you know, if you've ever listened to the show before, that's not what we do. So let's kick it off. Um, the hyena bomber, what do we think? Uh, the only thing that I'm really seeing with this thing is that new bomb. Like it, it looks like just like a bomber with a cool little tricks, but what it's really bringing to that game is that range two bomb that just kind of messes things up. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of scary with trajectory simulator, um, but also it's I, it has that new fuse mechanic where it it doesn't detonate the turn you drop it. I guess you you wait a turn. Um, so I think that is going to take some of the bite out of it. But it it is uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking askance at that bomb because it it seems like it can be really disruptive right and that's one of the things that I, i'm looking at this with this bomb is like if you like literally mm-hmm. launch it forward at a speed five the a, the range that it goes is basically a another speed five and a half forward so if you're like kind of coming into this bomb you don't have a choice like you either have to make the call to turn away from it or just take the bomb. Like it's it is definitely going to be disruptive, and I'm expecting points to be pretty high on this. But it seems I don't know. Like it's a different bomb that I think is definitely going to change the game a little bit. Yeah. So really, we I think we should go over it really quick um, because I think I don't know where they explained it. I think maybe they explained it on the stream where they demoed right um, the the N one, and that was pretty much it. So it so it detonates. It, you put a fuse marker on it, um, which I guess in it it uh, when a bomb would detonate if it has a fuse marker on it, you remove a fuse marker instead. Um, so that's an interesting mechanic. Um, so when it detonates, it's range zero to two, and you roll four attack dice for every ship, um, and each ship loses one shield for each blank result gains one ion token for each focus or hit result and gains a disarm token for each crit result. So you just, so you roll one set of dice, which is important. You don't, you don't roll four dice for every ship, um, which I think if anything else is going to save time in the game. Um, but yeah, this can, it can be really nasty. Um, so I, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like when when this thing is what gets dropped on the table and you're anywhere near it, you have to either bail it out, like bail out completely and wait three turns 
for it to go off and then get back in the fight again or you're just like i don't know or else just bad stuff happens wait did you say each ship doesn't roll four dice no each it when the device detonates oh no i'm sorry i'm reading this completely wrong yeah, yeah i was each, gonna say each ship does roll four dice. i read it as when this device detonates you Roll four dice, um, but no, no. Okay, so it does happen for every ship. So, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that might be cool that if <laughs> you just roll four dice and then every ship in the zero to two range suffers those effects, but that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I that that radius is huge, and if you gotta catch someone off guard in that thing, like it's really gonna disrupt the next couple turns of the game. Like it, it's huge. It, it's like especially with jousters or anything like that, like tie swarms, like they're either going to have to try to zoom past it or like the range control is crazy, but yeah, I really worry about it with trajectory simulator. Like hopefully it's so expensive that you like wouldn't want to run it with trajectory simulator, but even still like Eamon, what's his name? Zach Eamon Azamim, Asmamoom. Yeah. The, the scum fire spray he can throw it around with three turn templates and i don't know skilled bombardier or whatever is not that expensive and bob in the resistance bomber so i don't know there's a lot of ways to like potentially abuse this thing but i don't know you get an extra turn to deal with it so maybe maybe it's not that bad i mean with yes. the trajectory uh, go ahead zach no uh, I was going to say, with the trajectory simulator, anything that can trajectory simulator with it has to very, like, you, they have to turn away or else they're going to be caught in. Right. So a resistance bomber would have to, can too hard and then too hard again. And then you're, like, completely, to do a complete 180. Or a punisher could, you know, one bank and then boost and then too hard. But that you have to completely disengage. Yeah. To avoid getting so, hit by it. Okay, well, well, I mean, if I'm taking this on a bomber or even the Punisher, like the first thing I'm probably, I know it's not hyperspace legal, but in extended, the first thing I'm doing is slapping plating on the ship. And now you're watching all these little things scurry around. Yeah. It takes the mod slot also. Oh, so you can't take plate Oh, that's clever. <clears throat> okay. So yeah. Everyone else so they plate and they're fine. Yeah. But like, right. well, at least they were thinking ahead when they designed it. I mean, if you have it on a, say, on a resistance bomber, it's going to eat a big chunk of your points. And I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how useful it would be. And imagine you're Bob and you launch it ahead at a tie swarm, and the tie swarm just flies into it. They're not going to take any damage because they're unshielded. If they're ion, they're just still coming straight towards you. Mm. The chances of them being disarmed are small. I mean, it's much better against ships with shields than unshielded ships. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're flying a TIE swarm or actually a swarm of um, vulture droids, you could just decide to fly straight through it. And it's not too bad. If you're ion, then you're still pointed at your enemy just going slower. Yeah. I'm not that worried about this. Yeah, it's just something I want to like keep my eye on. Because I That's feel right. like if... I mean, the points obviously there's no way to like make it cheaper but if there's a way to like easily get it into a list that can i don't know it, I mean, it, could, be a, it could be a thing but then I, again i mean we don't see any bombs at all I, I mean i can think of some like edge case scenarios where all right so in scum if you put it on iman azamine with andrasta 
And then uh, if you have Captain Nim in your list also, so then he can drop it and then freeze it in place. Oh, um, sure. Okay. And then, or if you put it on a resistance bomber and uh, you give that resistance bomber that uh, new um, condition, it's the resistance, you know, where it uh, shows up later. Right. Oh, yeah. So it could show up behind you on like right. turn three. But yeah, I mean, you're right. That is like a huge problem. All right. It's, it's not a huge problem, but it's potentially like a, a big thing. Well, on the Iman Nim interaction, I mean, I see it, but that's 150-ish points to get a one-turn effect off. Touche. True. That's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I'm kind of looking at it as, is it's one turn out of a many-turn game. If I have to bug out for a turn and reset and then joust again, even if I'm a jousting list, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, are you th- like I get what you're saying, but I think at the same time, if you have Iman dropping that thing, and then you have Nim, let's say, potentially dropping proton bombs, launching proton bombs, um, it could be interesting to see what your opponent, like, the choices they're going to have to make. Like, either you could really set up these crazy nets with these things, and it's... It'll be interesting, like especially like if you're flying on the board edge and you launch a thing and you know it's going to do some kind of damage or some kind of a great effect to your opponent's list. You might be able to be uh, like launch proton bombs or something with Nim and then um, get the results that you need because they they're either going to have to fly into this proton bomb or take the proton or the electro proton bomb. Um, or face Nim's launched bombs, you know. Like I, I think that's really like the, the case where you would take both of them. I mean, that's still a lot of points for something that's going to be exceptionally tricky to actually pull off. Hmm. Like I see what you're saying, and like that net will exist, but I don't think there's that many. I don't know. Right now, there's that not any players that are super skilled at bombs outside of like maybe a handful. Maybe they get more skilled if bombs become a thing. Maybe. Better. Sure. I, I feel like this is like the only, actually, the only thing that I think is a bomb dropping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effects for the episode. You know, the only right. thing that I think is legitimately worried by this bomb is Rebel Beef. And Rebel Beef is something that needs a hard counter right now. Yeah. So if it disrupts Rebel Beef slightly, is that a terrible thing? Yeah, like the B wing is something that I you're not get, you're not escaping that. Right. If it's launched right on top of you, you're not going to be able to escape it. If uh, depending on what you have dialed in that first turn, and if it catches you off guard and it lands right on you, you know, like because like you're too hard, <laughs> too bank, you're not getting, you know, you're not escaping. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so other than that, I think the Hyena-class bomber is just exactly what it is. It's a bomber. It's pretty self-explanatory. Nothing else really stuck out to me. Anything else that you guys want to talk about with this? Yeah, just adding some I think, to Separatists. Yeah. I think what's in, one interesting thing with it is how um, some of the... You can... It, from um, They have that one, I forget its name, and I do not have it in front of me, where it has a different action bar from the others and how it seems like they have the different generics seem to be teched to do different things yeah there's the there's like a bomb one and a munitions one yeah so super cool yeah 
Yeah. And then I think they reference in the article, like the differences between them. So it's basically, it's the same basic chassis, but maybe it's, it has different, it's going to fulfill different roles. So it means that you're, if you buy hyena bombers, you could fly them in different ways, which I think would be interesting. Oh, right. There's a generic, or no, there's a unique pilot that has a jam action. Like one of them jams. I think that's cool. Yeah. The, the one that is the one thing I, I forgot to mention about this is that one that you can spend a calculate to perform a coordinate in the beginning <laughs> of the engagement phase. I am full on ready to just hear everyone re out with that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I seven coordinate is pretty powerful. I, yeah, I won, and it comes with the uh, it's got the networked calculations ship ability as opposed to the. The, it's got it has the it has the vulture ship ability as opposed to the hyena ship ability. So um, you can just throw this guy in as a support ship in your vulture swarm. Mall, he might come basically. Or yeah, with yeah, sure. Um, instead of like Grievous in that list or whatever. And or, throw on the new uh, tactical relay TA one seventy five, which yeah. actually looks yeah, great. There's, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff coming in with this ship. I think I hope it's like. Uh, you know what separatists need i hope it kind of fleshes them out like you're saying like just adds the adds the beef and like gives them a little something else to work with all right now i know you guys are excited for the n1 (laughs) nabu fighter spinning spinning it's a a good trick all right (laughs) uh what are you guys most excited for uh hard to say Um, a little bit of everything yeah i like I, I I think the handmaiden uh, condition is interesting. Um, I'm I'm curious as to how they're going to fit into lists. I don't know because do you want two of them? Do you want one in Padme? Do you? I don't know. So that I I think it's an interesting idea. I mean, aside from the ship just being cool and it having a cool ship ability and it coming with passive sensors, which uh, I, I keep saying we might be able to do like a whole episode on. Uh, you know, suffice it to say that it's like it's it's just interesting, um, and I think it's one of those things where time will tell how it works out with Republic list construction. I think, I mean, uh, having a support sh- uh, having a ship that's fast enough and mobile enough to keep up with the Jedi might be uh, might be really mm. interesting because all like the arcs and the torrents are just they can't they cannot like keep up with Jedi if the Jedi are really booking it. So like, no, yeah. So like, you could, like, if you took those handmaidens and if they were in torrents, they would never be able to keep up with like Anakin or Obi Wan. But in the N ones, they could. Uh, you could have N ones escorting the Jedi pretty easily. Yeah. Does do two of these, or does that does like a handmaiden helping Anakin out make Anakin like unkillable? Like that's kind of scary. Yeah. Know. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, I definitely think I I, it's it's hard to because the it's Anakin is going to have a hard time keeping the handmaiden in his front arc like after a certain point. So it's it's hard to say like how much of an ongoing effect that's going to have in the game because um, I feel like that's going to be hard to pull off. But yeah, I think overall, like I'm excited. Like I, I like that it has the full throttle condition. Um, the one thing that we were talking about earlier was with rick ollie or whatever he needed to you need to start tracking your opponent's 
speed maneuvers and everything like that. Like it, it adds a mechanic right. to the game. Like sure, it was already here with the quad jumpers, but it's this is probably going to be used a lot more. So it's like you you're going to have to keep track of that and. One more thing to the game, like it's that's already almost overloaded. I, I don't know. It seems a little. I mean, mechanically, he's like seems awesome. Like I'm excited to put him on the table, but game wise, like I, I'm a little concerned. You know, if only there were a dev- like a device, maybe say a dial that could right. conveniently <laughs> tell you what movie <laughs> last turn. You, uh, you're not wrong, but you know how people will be with like, oh, I don't know which dial it was, or. Um, you're really gonna if you're flying him, I would definitely recommend him. Like, say to your opponent, make sure you put your dial next to the pilot card, like it says in the reveal maneuver step. Yeah. Other than that, I think the enemies look fun. Like, I'm not into resistance yet, but I'm probably still not gonna buy into them. <laughs> They're the Republic. Well, oh, yes, I'm sorry, the Republic. <laughs> They're all the same. Get, to the bad get guys. Get anything right today, Andrew. No, it's the bad guys, <laughs> the other bad guys, and then the scum. So. Zach, how about you? Do you have anything about these guys? I like that it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, I like that they're kind of a little bit of everything like we've talked about. Like, the Handmaidens and Padme great support ships. Rick Ollie and what's the other one's name? Dine? Dine? Yeah. Diney. Dinosaur. Dino- <laughs> Dinosaur Elberger. Yeah. Are, like, a little bit more, you know, pocket ace level. So I like that it's fulfilling different roles. It's giving you decent reasons to buy multiples. And it is just the coolest looking ship. Sure. How many are you guys buying? Seven. Get out of town. Maybe three. Four. Maybe three so I can, just so I can try Padme plus two handmaidens. Yeah, I think three to four is probably where I'm going to settle in. Yeah. How about you, Jonathan? Uh, I think I'll get two. Two seems reasonable. And then buy two more when you find out you like flying four of them together. <laughs> you fanged jerk. Three <laughs> Bravo flight officers and Rick. <laughs> so anyone that's not aware, though, we have converted Jonathan to be a scum player. He's been playing. Oh, yeah, you guys have to tell me about that. There's no we. It's just you, Andrew. Uh, so, no, uh, Steve Morgani had a little bit of hand in this. But, uh, yeah, we definitely got Jonathan to start flying four fangs. And, Jonathan, what do you think about four fangs? I think, you know, it is a really fun list to fly. It's just <laughs> fun to have ships that move really fast. And in the same vein as sort of the rebel lists that I usually fly, it like flies towards the opponents and punches them in the face. So I kind of like that. Oh, get out of here. All right. So anything else between the hyena and the, you know, it's funny because we have that other ship, the resistance transport coming out. No one cares. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's like the big highlight is these two. Like, I'm curious if there's going to be something in that that it just shocks everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to see crew. what those crew are. Yeah, if we if we get some crew that are good for the resistance YT, um, I, I might get I might get excited about it. I'm but. pretty sure that's our first card pack of 2.0. <laughs> just a just a crew dump for resistance. Yeah, you get that. You throw away the ship. You're never going to use it anyways. And you've got your car. Yeah, and the ship itself looks uh, very bad. I mean, but... like, if, if that little itsy-bitsy resistance, whatever, escape pod on top of the transport, like, you can fly that by itself 
and it's like 20 points then sure i think that's the idea right it's two it's is it two separate ships or yeah it must no it is it comes with with two dials yeah if i see that little thing across from me i'm gonna flick it off the table (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we still i don't think we have a preview article for that so it'd be interesting to see We'll probably get it next week because yeah. we got a. It's it's June sixth, isn't it? So they only got. Yeah, it comes out in two weeks, so we, we got to get it next week. I think we'll get it by the end of the week, I believe. Um, okay. it'll, by the time we post this episode, it will be out. Cool. So, one year anniversary. We wanted to ask you guys some to send us some questions that we would answer on the air, and we got a couple of responses. So we'll go over them. Um, have a little bit fun this episode. So first thing, I know we talked about this the very first episode, but what was our favorite ship to fly? And uh, like kind of like a follow up to this question was, um, like, what is our like play styles of like what we like to do and what we like to fly? Uh, why don't we kick this off with Jonathan? You know, I think the B wing has always been sort of my favorite ship, uh, so I do like the B wing a lot. Right now, I am enjoying enjoying the Fangs a lot. And although they're very different ships, I think they both, at least the Fang list I'm flying right now, which is Fenrau and the three Zealous Recruits, sort of fit the same, like fly towards your opponent and engage, set up kill boxes, kill them, sort of fit my play style. So I really like, (laughs) all right, so outside of X-Wing, I'll admit like I'm a very patient person outside of X-Wing, but when I'm playing (laughs) X-Wing, I don't like spending a lot of time like I'm not a KG player who like can spend 10 rounds in my own corner, like maneuvering. So it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I do like flying towards my enemy and engaging. And um, so my favorite type of lists have always been more jousty type lists. And with those zealous recruits, they like to get into people's faces to block. Uh, they like to hang back at range three, but then they want to jump into range one, get into people's faces, block them, and then uh, shoot them and take advantage of that Concordia face off. Uh, and it's just, um, it's, I don't know, it's just the type of play I enjoy the most. I was listening to another podcast recently, and someone was giving a battle report about they were flying aces at a tournament, and they described multiple games where they just had to run away for most of the game. And I would just, I don't like running away. You know, I don't like kiting. I like flying towards my enemy, and that's just my personal preference. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, those four fangs are amazing, and I'm hoping they get a little bit of a point decrease just for that extra bid. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, Marshall, how about you? What's your favorite ship right now? Favorite ship right now is probably the Aether Sprite, which I know is like a dumb, easy answer. But I, I will go, but setting that aside, I will go with a less dumb easy answer which is the republic arc i I really like the republic arc it's i i like that it has the rear firing arc i like that it has the crew slot um i like there's i i like all the pilot abilities i like that there's a different you can do three or four different things with it depending on which pilot you're using and how many of them you want to fly and what you want to fly them with um it's it's my favorite ship from the movies and i think it's like the the medium base is interesting and it's it's just like a fun jousty ship to fly in x-wing right now um and it's not it's not super overpowered and it's not like terrible it's like right down the middle in a fun way 
what about your play style? Like, what, what would you say? How what kind of player would you be? I'm a li- I'm probably a little more patient uh, than like Jonathan is describing, but I also do. You know, I don't. I'm I, when I fly the Jedi, like I like to almost quasi like quasi joust with them. I I, I kind of like to run them in and let them punch hard on the first turn, and then I get. Um, I, I probably get a little cagier, but I, I do like to kind of jump in and start the fight, which I think is like Anakin is good for that. And the, the arcs are good for that. So I think the, the most fun I've been having right now is just trying out all the different pilots and numbers of arcs versus numbers of Aether sprites. And that, that's, that's been fun because I, I feel like at heart Republic is a pretty jousty faction. All right. Zach, how about you? <sighs> tough questions i've had two people answering and i still figured out my answer <laughs> as of right now the ship i'm enjoying flying the most is probably a toss-up between the ether sprite grade easy answer <laughs> or super fat gurry like, oh, okay tell tell us about super fat gurry 109 point gurry is oh, just <laughs> a blast to fly so it's gurry advanced sensors Title, um, shield upgrade, outmaneuver, uh, afterburners. It's nuts. It's wonderful. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's just a blast. It's 103 points. 103 points. But I think overall, probably my favorite ship to fly, even harkening back all the way to 1.0, is the Fire Spray. I think the Fire Spray's always been my jam. Since Chris isn't here, we all know that he loves the Strikers. <laughs> um, and I know he's... Strikers been, and Silencers. Yeah, well, he's had a fascination with the Silencer recently. So he's definitely that ace player that will run to time and do a bunch of arc dodging and will rather not take any shots than get the shots to begin with. Uh, but he's definitely that player, so... That's cool. And he's Don't not here to defend work. himself. So he yeah, he's not here to defend himself, <laughs> and he will definitely agree with you, me. So, Chris, once you hear this, just give me the thumbs up. And um, that's totally fine. Just skip asking me about my archetype. That's cool. <laughs> oh, we, I thought you were talking about, like, all right, what's your archetype? <laughs> uh, well, I had, like, a nice witty answer to this all summed up. About, I was right. going to be more patient than Jonathan, but then Marshall stole that. So I'm going to say I'm more patient than Marshall. Classic Marshall. <laughs> now, like, it's something I've actually thought about a lot recently, thinking about, like, getting ready for, or how we kind of talked about off-season a couple episodes ago. And this off-season, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what my archetype is. And I think, overall, like, the list archetype that I am bounces around based on my mood at any given time. But I think, like, style of play... I am pretty much in the opposite corner from Jonathan. Like, I do like being cagey in the corner and waiting for, like, my perfect moment to strike. And then I, I'm a big, like, cycle out and recycle in type player. Yeah, Mr. Uh, I'm going to start my B-Wings facing the board edge and one talent. <laughs> the B-Wings has- zero stop is perfect. Yeah. Well, right? that's just that's just Fortress saying. There's no, yeah, that is not, not. They moved. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Are you done, Zach? Can I move on? Yeah, I'm okay. done now. Thank you. <laughs> cool. So then, uh, so I. Uh, what about you, Andrew? I still like the Shadowcaster. Like I put it on the table a couple times. Uh, it's oh, not. Yeah. It, it's not what it used to be. Um, that two dice attack at the side or the mobile arc isn't what it used to be. The upgrades are just way too expensive for it. But like just playing it and like 
I, I put on the table within the past two weeks and like it was just fun to remember that like oh man I got like this entire three maneuver or like the three speed maneuvers are completely green like it was so much fun like I was flying it with four lom next like not next to it but if four lom didn't have someone next to him for the like to pass off his stress like he would just give it to Asajj and Asajj didn't care she would just three bank or three turn the next turn anyway get rid of it so yeah I would definitely still say the Shadowcaster is my favorite ship even if it's not that competitive yeah I I was gonna say that like that the way that ship operates on the table is definitely like my favorite type of thing but it's like it's like totally not viable in 2.0 which is a huge which is a huge bummer because that if I could just run 1.0 Asajj all the time, I would be happy forever. But we live in a different world now. so Great. And uh, my archetype, I bounce around a little bit. I know, I'm not going to lie, I do enjoy large base turrets. Like, I don't care if that gets me any kind of shade or anything like that. Large base turrets. <laughs> Chris like, is screaming from Shane. I know. <laughs> like uh, So, like, as soon as they points dropped... Um, Han, I like that was the first thing I looked at. I was just like, this this could be good. Like Yeah. And like it turns out that it was really good. But like uh, I just enjoy the strafing of the like ships. Like having that turret, like um, if you ever play against me, I never almost never point that turret front to back. Like the only time I ever do it is like when I know it needs to be done. Like um, but like I just enjoy the strafing around the board, like port and starboard, and just shooting ships that way around the asteroid field, and like that is part of also like why I like Asajj, just being able to like strafe around the asteroid field, taking shots, and that's really where it got to hurt was that with that two dice attack, it's not that same type of ship anymore. Other than that, there aren't any really good two or like large base turrets for scum. Like you have. The Falcon, which is okay, but I still, it's a little, I don't know. But yeah, th- that is definitely, like, thinking back at it, I-, I do enjoy that probably the most. All right, let's move on. I believe, I'm sorry, I should have read the names in here. Derek, I believe you may have this question in. Um, but you are going to the Atlanta System Open this weekend. What should you fly? The correct answer <laughs> is whatever you feel most comfortable flying with. Um, but the more correct answer is quad phantoms. Yeah, if if you want to win quad phantoms, I think, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to tell you. Or or handbrake on. I no, I I still think the right answer is quad phantoms. If you aren't familiar with it, grind it out. I, I know there was a. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a rant right here. There's a, I have a trigger warning here, but someone on Reddit (laughs) said that they were just going to bite the bullet and play quad phantoms. And the amount of negative feedback that that person received on Reddit was like crazy. Like the medical is that you should be flying that like learn how to do it. People were saying, Oh, if you don't know how to do it, you shouldn't do it. And blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. Like you should, pick that stuff up within a couple days worth of games. Like it was like two weeks ago, I think. And if you're, if that person was going to the Atlanta system open and they're listening, I hope you were practicing it and didn't listen to everyone on there. Um, Like if you, if you ran five games with it, you're probably fine. Just like get a sense of how it works. Right. 
you can you can win four games. No there problem. is plenty of resources out there that you can watch that now. And I guarantee it's probably going to get nerfed this next points adjustment. So do it <laughs> yeah, to it. Get it out of your system. It literally, this, is your la- this is your last chance. Literally so. just went to a final table at the Sweden System Open this past weekend. And I, I, I watched the entire thing and I really was thought it was going to win but there were there was some bad mistakes made and it did lose in the final but other than that i, I would say definitely take quad phantoms so i mean fly whatever you want to fly but i mean if you're looking to compete and really like that's something that should definitely be on your radar and here's the other thing about that is if you to the person that was on reddit if you are thinking about flying the quad phantoms it's always good to put that on the table so you can when if you don't fly it and you go up against it, you know about how it works mechanically, and you have some little bit of experience playing it. Uh, before it's too late, throw that on the table if you have to, uh, because it's going to get nerfed into oblivion by this next yeah. points adjustment. Uh, what game mechanics do you wish FFG would further explore and expand on? Um, Who do I want to throw under the bus with this? Zach, take it. I know you were complaining about it. I do like the different sp- the speed mechanics that they're bringing in with the Naboo Fighter. I think that's Something that's interesting. Uh, seconded. No, uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like the mechanic. I just don't trust my opponents. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <all> right. <laughs> I also think... I don't think they went far enough with recharge... Or, like, the charge mechanic for, like, pilot abilities. I'm struggling to figure... Or come up with an example off the top of my head. But I've seen this a few times where there's, like, a pilot that I wish had, like, a one... Like uh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, yeah. If Boba Fett had like one regenerating charge, yeah, or you know, give someone two regenerating charges or whatever. Like, I think there's some interesting things that could be done with charges. I don't think they took that quite far enough. And on that same note, this is the one that I was actually thinking of earlier. I really like all the different things that are like, if this charge is face up or this charge face down, this card does this or this. Like Greedo. Oh yeah. Not that Greedo's good. No, never take Greedo. But <laughs> do because it's hilarious. But like Greedo's ability of like if this charge just face up, then turn something into a crit. I can't remember exactly what it is because no one plays him. Once you shoot, flip this face down. If you're but passive to... Passive Sensors is doing that a little bit. It yeah. like it changes depending on whether or not the charge is active, which is so they are like I think they're like starting to look. Yeah, at that. they're starting to do more with it. But I would love to see more of that. I think that's like a really interesting game system. Yeah, they have like two different abilities on a card based on whether the charge is up or down. Elusive mm-hmm. is another one. The elusive is just nothing. Oh, wolf, wolf in the arc. His oh is cool. yeah, sure, yep. Long rambling answer, but that. No, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess one of the things that I really would like them to see is like the like s- different slots that were specific to each faction, which would I think would be a little bit cool. I mean, we first saw it when Scum came out, and they were the only ones that had illicit slots. But now that like the rebels have illicits and their stuff, which does make sense. But now we have like the solitary slot with the, the tactical relay. Yeah, like the ta- t- tactical relay. Thank you. I would like to see more of that, like, implemented into the game. Like, just different, like... Because, like, with the Tactical Relay, you you really have a faction identity with that thing. Like, nothing else is even close to that mechanic. And, and it would be really interesting to see them add, like, different upgrade slots that were 
only uh, specific and maybe even like just certain solitary upgrades for each faction total like that that would be pretty cool i would like to see them really kind of dive into later into the game so like um you mentioned the tactical relay uh i like how the tactical relay it's sort of like a squadron level upgrade and i think that would be sort of interesting also if you could have like a squadron level upgrade as in i like uh i don't know like black squadron tie fighter upgrade or inferno squadron tie fighter upgrade that you put on some on you know one of the tie fighters or to the squad as a whole that gives bonuses across multiple ships i think that might be interesting yeah they could be like like a a title or something you know yeah or like red squadron upgrade for x-wings or something like Mm -hmm. that and whether you put it uh, whether it's a upgrade slot on like a wing leader or whether it's a title that goes across multiple like x-wings or tie fighters or whatever or gold squadron y-wings or something might be interesting. What if there was like a Spectre Cell upgrade? Yeah, there's stuff. a lot of stuff they could do, yeah. All the Imperial Assault players are probably triggered right now, though. <laughs> uh, if you were unfamiliar with Imperial Assault, Spectre Cell literally probably killed the meta to that game. But, um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree that that would be a, like an awesome mechanic that they would throw in, like to have some kind of theme to it, too. And on that, another mechanic that just came in recently that I do like is the multiple limited... Oh, yeah, sure. Upgrades. Ships and upgrades. That I think they're going to do a ton more with now. Yeah, that's super. That was a super smart move. Bring back Atani Mind Link. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) You have it. It's called Network Calculation. You already have it. It's there. It exists. All right. So this one's interesting. Do you think FFG should be working the game towards a near-perfect balance or a disrupting meta slash shifting meta? This is really interesting. Marshall, take this one. What do you think? Uh, so I think I think we talked about this a little bit when uh, we got wave three with the, or yeah, the wave three and the points adjustment happened at the same time, I think, or very similar time. Um, and I, I think what I prefer is for things to be constantly changing. I think like between new waves coming out and semi-annual point, changes or whatever or emergency point fixes i would i would really prefer that we not go more than three months without getting some kind of change um and i think that uh kind of takes a little bit of a burden off the developer's shoulders to try to balance the game to kind of a state of i don't know it's never going to be perfect but toward like an equilibrium which I think is impossible anyway, and it, it should not be their responsibility to make the game perfect because um, it's too big for that. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think if we get like a new, a, a literal disruption every three months or so, I I, I think that makes it fun. Um, and I would I would prefer to be constantly trying to figure out what the meta looks like as opposed to figuring out how to beat like a static meta without any new tools. Which I know from 1.0 is when the game got really frustrating. Was when we went nine months between facts and it was Dangaroo at every tournament, and you it was inescapable, and there was really nothing you could do about it for months and months. Uh, that that was not fun. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think if you if you have a near perfect balance, I would say that it's something like you could throw any ship on the table and it be competitive, um, which would be nice to see in certain aspects, but it. it Again, exactly what you're saying was it could get stale. Like, 
Uh, just because something isn't completely OP or something along those lines, it, it might get stale and then you get bored. And then, whereas if it's constantly changing and disrupting, you have, you know, that time to figure things out. Mm-hmm. You have um, constantly, you hear people like saying something like, oh, this is so broken. Why can't we wait for the next points adjustment to figure or to change this and stop it? Take the time to try to figure it out. Like, I, I say that a lot. Like, figure out what you can do and then in a couple months it might not be there anymore so it it definitely adds a different aspect to the game and i think they can kind of take advantage of it by rotating stuff out like if if there's something that's like not getting played like rotate it into hyperspace and like force people to play it or force people to force hyperspace players to at least look at it Um, said the z95 well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> we have like we have current proof that that's not actually working. So may- maybe I shouldn't say that, but I don't know. That's that's a, that's something I'm looking forward to them taking advantage of um shaping the meta by rotating things in um and out. And I think we may be about to get that with wave 4. We might get some decimator action. So we'll see. We'll see if that pans out. Um, all right. This is going to be on you guys because I am not a super Star Wars buff. I just kind of know the movies and the shows. But what future Star Wars ships do you want to see added from all the series, books, whatever? Chess Clawcraft. What? Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut. The Chess Clawcraft. It's great. I mean, Thrawn's becoming such a big part of. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. The current lore. I know part of this is fresh on my mind because I just reread the. Thrawn Vader buddy cop book um but there's a lot in the current Star Wars world that is focused on Thrawn and focused on the unknown regions pretty much everything about the First Order has like something unknown region-y about it so I would love to see the Chiss Ascendancy come out and the Chiss Clawcraft come into the game it's just like a fancy TIE fighter right basically uh more like a super like fancy a... interceptor sure. it's somewhere between like a... yeah <laughs> google it it looks really cool can you spell this for me it's c-h-i-s-s yeah jonathan do you have one i know you're uh you know more ships are always good i think um okay so uh the, we already have uh triple zero and bt1 dr so i think bringing dr afra in would be it seems natural and i think yeah. she's in the new uh, outer rim board game also so i think dr afra would be great oh cool all right yeah that'd be cool. um and then yeah more ships are always good but it does sometimes it's when especially back in um at the end of first edition they'd announce a wave and i would not recognize any ships in it you know like uh the kimagila and uh you know stuff like that so <clears throat> it'd be nice to have more recognizable ships, but I guess there's just. Um, Isn't that like a larger version of the Fang Fighter, or like a bigger yeah, version? Yeah, Dar- Darth Maul has a, a big Mandalorian, yeah, pointy ship that he rides around in and rebels. Yeah. There's a big Fang Fighter that's just um, a transport ship. Uh, oh, in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. I like Mandalorian ships. All right, here's a good one for you guys. What do people think is difficult that's actually easy? Oof. <laughs> Might have to take a second to edit this uh, out. Playing X-Wing. 
Arc dodging. We had that uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it's it seems really cool, but and it looks really hard when you first do it. But then, as soon as you kind of like figure it out, it's definitely one of those things that you're just like, boom, I can do this, and I know I can be out of your arc. So, but on the converse, I would say like setting up nets is a little bit harder. I would say it's yeah. like I mean, I mean, it's possible to do, but at the same time, like if you set up that perfect net, it just feels a lot better. Like that they could boost and barrel roll and still be stuck in this giant firing arc. But that, that's my take. How about you guys? Formation flying. Yeah, that's a good I, one too. Yeah. It's a good one that a lot of new, I hear a lot of new players say like, I'm you know, not good at formation flying. But actually like once you figure it out, it's like, why didn't I know how to do this all along? All right. So yeah. Um, like, Oh, so when you're flying like a like a tie swarm, if you're flying like a six ship tie swarm, not a seven ship, but like at six ships, if you just one hard, just one hard and three bank and one hard, and it's it's not as difficult as it may initially appear. I forget where I saw this article, but I read this article when I first started playing X Wing, and it's literally been like the best thing of my life. If, if anyone can find this article link it to me and I, I will shoot you some stuff but it basically said with formation flying if you imagine a quarter in like the size of a quarter in between any of your ships like anywhere that would overlap if it's outside of that your ships will never bump and like i found that to be completely true like if you're turning banking or anything it's it's always worked for me like i will dial in almost any ship as long as you're not doing like greater speeds or anything like that but i've always followed that rule and like i will support that 100 that uh, that's always happened to me so what what's that rule again that when you're setting up uh your formation if you imagine a quarter in between the sh- like in the middle of the ships to space them out appropriately uh that there would be that you could fit a quarter into the middle of them like in a inside a pinwheel yeah okay yeah, i think the pinwheels more but I learned early in X-Wing, if you're flying a four-ship list, set up the pinwheel, or, I don't know, it's hard to describe this on a podcast. It's like a pinwheel. Each of the ships is, like, slightly off-kilter, and it forms, like, a skinny rectangle in between the four of them. Yeah, let's see, pack them in a little bit tighter, if you do it in a yeah. pinwheel. But sometimes, when you're packing in a pinwheel, sometimes the, like, the, the forward ship is would want to be greater than range one, outside of the deployment zone. Do you know what I mean? Like when you right. try when you try to form those ideal pinwheels, so you have to like set it up. You have to set the ships up, and they fly. They after the first turn, they end up in a pinwheel. Do you know what I mean? So the yeah, sometimes I I find sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth, but it is nice to to be able to pack them in tighter. Sometimes the only thing that jumps to mind, uh, like because the yeah the first two were such good. The the only thing that I would say is like turn zero, like rock placement. I think people like to pretend that there's like a huge grand strategy to putting rocks down and like creating jousting lanes and blah, 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 blah. But I don't think it's actually something you have to put uh, as much thought into as like, it's, I don't think it's a situation where you have to try to like outthink your opponent as much as people portray it as. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's it's a matter of outthinking your opponent, but I, I definitely say there would be some kind of strategy behind their um, rock placement. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's like basic things you can do, but I think when people talk about how like 
on turn 10 of the game or whatever they had it like or they had in mind their rock placement so on turn 10 of the game they could do <laughs> this this and this like those people are obviously lying like anyone who's <laughs> a liar like the, the there are like two nice tricks to learn like range two is the same as a 5k so you know that if you're behind the rock you can't k turn off the board like that's important um if you do if you corner a rock like range three by range three you can't fit a rock in that corner like range two range two like that's a cool trick so that helps you like shape the board a little bit to give to like kind of dictate where your opponent can put rocks but i I don't know it's one of those things that i think people uh make a lot of hay out of that i don't i don't know no i get what you're saying absolutely um one of the other things i do want to say that people think is harder is like uh maneuvering with large base ships and even like small base ships and uh, to the extent medium like there's a science behind it like there's actual math that you can do behind that like back in the days of flying dengar having that one turn and like being able to turn in between two rocks because i could see exactly where my ship was positioned and where the next rock was be and then someone would be like oh wow that's you know that was really slick and it was kind of like yeah i guess it was slick but at the same time like i knew it was going to fit there because i knew the one turn overlaps your original base like at a certain point so Mm -hmm. um but that's something that like you can pick up real easily is just by doing like putting ships on the board and then seeing where they land. Like don't even follow a dial. Just kind of like put the template down and see where they land um, after you do it. Like get two of the same base ships and then just put one at the start and one at the end and see how they land. And like I said, there's definitely math behind it that you can do and learn. And it's something, an easy practice that you can do. And every once in a while, like if I'm waiting for an opponent at the store, like I'll just put down ships just to refresh my memory on this stuff. So uh, that's one of the things that I would definitely recommend. Yeah. There's um, a thread in the FFG forums that was, it's in the pinned. There's these pinned posts that link to different like resources. And there is a thread in the FFG forums called earning your wings where someone, uh, Osirishi, he took photographs of, and laid out templates and then went over like, this is how many base lengths, this is how many things. And it's super, super useful. And then I know that back to dials had some blog posts where they actually, they had like diagrams like laid out of like, you do this and this is how far this is. And you can just visually see it. Is there anything that you would change about the X-Wing community? Yes. Oh, okay. If you're a cheater, just get out. Go play Warhammer. Um, that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah, luckily that's not um, that's not really a, a problem. I don't think there's a lot of people trying to get away with that kind of stuff. No, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a really good question because like me and um, Matt and Graham were at the game store tonight, and we were talking, and like that's one of the things I said was like the X-wing community is unlike any other. Me being the person that I am, and I always think there's room for improvement in places. Uh, but like I said, coming from different communities, it's definitely the best miniature and gaming community out there. Um, is there anything I would change? Like I said, um, salt levels. People <laughs> <laughs> don't blame your dice. Like I mean, like I understand people come to the game to play, and like I know some people take it more seriously than others. 
like stuff like that. But I, I think at the same time, have fun. If you understand certain mechanics of the game, you won't have those problems more. Like, don't get mad because your dice rolled all blanks three times in a row. It happens. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'd like to tell people is when something like that happens, you're never counting the amount of times that it just rolled four naturals three times in a row. You're only seeing the times that it doesn't do like that. And then they turn to me, oh, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You just don't realize it. Um, so, yeah, like something like that. Just keep the salt levels to a minimum. And remember that it's just a game. If you are getting frustrated with something like that, ask for help. Like, I always see these people that they get real salty about certain things and get mad, but they don't realize what they're doing wrong and what they could be doing to get better. Um, So, like, definitely always ask people. Like, they might not be the best. They might not be even a better player than you, but they might have a different perspective that you may not be seeing. Uh, regards to dice, I was just thinking about something bio- so biophysical said before. So biophysical friend of the show, he was on one of our earlier episodes. He had said, um, I forget where he said it, but he did say, imagine, so say you get really bad dice results and you lose the game, but imagine what could you do differently to win that game if those dice results were the same? You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the dice results are what they are. What could you have done differently to win? Yeah, and then another regular player, Thursday nights at Top Deck, Andre one time told someone after they complained that, you know, bad dice is what lost them the game. And I'll never forget this, that, you know, blaming your dice for losing is exceptionally disrespectful to your opponent. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it's it's yeah, very... Yeah. yeah, it's basically saying, like, you know, I would have beat you if my dice... It's just the dice. It's not that you beat me. It's my dice beat me. And mm-hmm. once I heard that, like, I think that was, like the straw that broke the camel's back for me and i never complained about my dice again i get frustrated by my dice but i don't blame them for losses anymore sure all right so let's switch this do you guys zach marshall jonathan do you have any questions that you'd ask the other hosts i was not prepared for this <laughs> you were not prepared <laughs> take a minute to think <laughs> why won't you guys play kill team with me <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing, I'm keeping this in, and this guy is on a X-Wing I, podcast, and he is expecting <laughs> us to play Kill Team with him. I'll play no, you guys, Okay, Zach, we should play Kill Team soon. Yeah, you should um, come over. Oh, man. Are there oh, any factions that any of you would never play? I think no. I'm done with Imperials. I, I really don't like playing Imperials, and I, I, I obviously don't. I don't play any First Order at all. I think Imperials are a faction that just does not interest me for whatever reason. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really just, I, I get like the appeal of the Republic and I'm not saying it's a, it's a very, very good faction, like, but I just don't like see it as my play style. I mean, I think I'd play any faction. It's really just a matter of time that I have on my hands. So, uh, I mean, I, I have played Imperial and I would play Imperial again. It's just only have so much time to play. So a limited number of things. What about you, Zach? Do you have any uh, that you wouldn't play? Uh, you kind of play everything. I do not. I don't play resistance at all. I have oh, that was okay, resistance. All right, fair. I have very little interest in the separatists. It's really those two. Jonathan, do you have a question you're thinking of? Hmm. All right. So, beer plus podcasting, good, great, or the best? What's the beer? I'm I'm stone cold sober right now. Actually, um, Jonathan, how many beers are you in? 
Um, you know, I don't know. I've been drinking all week, so. <laughs> Are you no. on vacation or? No, 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 no. The today, uh, just two. Just two. I usually don't drink while I'm podcasting, just because I don't know. I, maybe I should be drinking more. We need coach on the <laughs> no, show. You got, you got to run episode. the equipment. I'm having a tasty Lacroix. Our new podcast is sponsored by Lacroix. No, it's not. Get that hipster <laughs> stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I. Uh, th- it's weird for me to not have had a couple when we record. I don't know if it's for for better or for worse, but yeah, I usually have. I usually have one or two. That's usually just because I'm relaxing or whatever. The, the listeners are super disinterested right now. They're like, "All right, time to turn it off." You can edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I a got... bottle of Bombay Sapphire sitting right next to me right here. I'm like, do I open <laughs> it? It is open, and he is dumping it into his mouth right now. <laughs> As I puke all over the place. Oh, man. I wish I had a question for you guys. I, I, didn't, know I didn't know you were going right, to so go for it. Yes. All right. If you could take any other universe and make a version of X-Wing out of it, what universe would you choose? <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> I wish Star Trek Attack Wing was good. I, I like Star Trek a lot, and it's... Uh, I think it's a game. I mean, I think it's a universe that has as much like interesting opportunity to like make different factions with different types of ships that have different play styles. But man, everything I've heard about that game makes it sound just absolutely terrible. Okay, so can I change this question? You can. All right, so I 100% wanted to make a game of The Running Man, only Imperial Salt version. Like the 1980s oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, cool. just be like, yeah, yeah, like, we, a, yeah, like yeah. you make your character and you're like on the run and you have to like basically like on this game show. That would be a fun like dungeon crawler board game. Exactly. I'm surprised they, I'm surprised they haven't like. And in the movie, there's a Running Man it. board game that that's nobody like, knows what it exists. All right, oh, that's a good answer. How come you guys haven't won anything? Come on, you're supposed to be carrying this podcast. Oh man, that's. that's <laughs> That's rough, but tr- that's tough but fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you, Mr. Singapore, Chris. JK, I, mean, I, I love think, you guys. Go ahead, Jonathan. I think everyone a pretty good me has gotten close. No, yeah, we, I would definitely say. You guys say, have all been doing pretty well. I mean, I i don't know if I've told you guys this yet, but I'm going to be winning the top deck uh, hyperspace trial on July 20th. Yeah, I heard, I, heard, I heard some about that. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if I've told you guys that, but... First I've heard of it. Well, now you know. It's okay if you come in second, but I'm winning it. All right, Marshall, before we close out, do you have a question for us? Uh, how, how do I get good? <laughs> so bad at this. All right, so first, the, all right, this, this answer is strictly to Marshall. First thing you have to do is stop going to bed at 7 o'clock at night. I know. I have to, I have to actually get out and play more. I think yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the next part is you actually – Grandma's literally have, asking about that. He was like, "Where's Marshall at?" And I was just like, "He doesn't come out because he's a grandpa and goes to bed at past, you know, seven o'clock." No, I had a I had a work meeting last night. I couldn't come out. All right. Well, I want to. I hope you guys had fun. We, you know, tried to do a little bit different episode this week, uh, just to celebrate us being one year on the air. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Mike Bird. Everyone that I've heard about the campaign against cancer this weekend at the East Coast Gamers like had a great time. I know you do so much for that community and giving you a big shout out. I'm sad that yeah. I couldn't go. But at the same time, like I said, every single person that I've talked to about it, it was just gleaming with reviews and like 
how much fun they had. So kudos to you, and I'm so happy that you know you pulled that off. Other than that, do we have any tournaments coming up, guys? I think that's the only big ones they really announced. I, I don't. I don't think we've. Uh, I don't think there's anything at showcase. We FFG needs to get us his wave three kits. They're so busy. Yeah, we like, don't have any. We don't have any stuff to give out. Like wave three kits are super behind. So what the f FFG? If you're a fan of the show, our Patreon is linked on our show notes. You can check it out there. Uh, if you, I hope you got your Grievous cards. If you haven't got your Grievous cards, just to make sure that you haven't been, you have been charged. Um, and let me know if you haven't been charged yet. They'll be out in the first week of June. So just keep an eye out for that. Other than that, I think that's it for this week's episode. Any final shoutouts? We usually do shoutouts in the beginning. We missed it. Uh, just um, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, it's been a crazy first yeah. year. I mean, we've definitely grown so much. It, it's crazy hearing people come up to you at just random events and be like, "Oh yeah, I listen to your podcast." I'm just like, "Why? Why do you listen to us?" <laughs> um, but no, I definitely thank you to all the listeners. It, it really means a lot when you guys do say those things. If you ever see us at an event, you know we always have the Liberty Squadron shirts on. So come say hello to us, and yeah. we'll be more than happy to talk to you. We're always going out after events, so if you need you know someone to hang out with, let us know. Shout out to my fellow podcasters, especially Aww. Andrew <laughs> in the work. Uh, yeah, yeah you guys do so much Chris I know you can't be here but he that dude bangs out show notes and content he's dead us. to us he's not here he doesn't count he does <laughs> no, not no. Get a shout out. He, he's in no Singapore. shout out for him he's literally at work in a different day right now so shout out to Chris you do a ton of work thanks for everything you do do and for you guys for always coming on every week um, um yeah I went to I've been listening to Florida man plays x-wing and it's actually they have great taste in beer, and it's a pretty good uh, <laughs> podcast. So do, do we need more out. beer content on our podcast? Maybe I'm not okay. opposed to it. Yo, can we just get like all the beer drinkers and on our show one day? Next one episode, <laughs> that's what I'm going to suggest. Invite Coach on. Yeah, definitely invite Coach uh, on, yeah. and then uh, Coach, if you're listening, mm. be prepared. And uh, oh, Asa Graf, where's my fire spray? Oh, I meant to tell you. He <laughs> said he just needs your address. Okay. Oh. All right. Sorry, <laughs> I meant to tell you that right. months ago. <laughs> I'm, uh, that fire spray, I am going to give it to Ted as soon as I get it. Sure. Oh, okay. All right. Ted Trainee, I have a fire spray from Asa Graf. When I get it, it's yours. All right. So, listeners, if you haven't tapped out already, again, thank you so much for listening and have a great night. See you. Bye. Four more years. <laughs>